This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted not only to be joined by Lawrence Conley but also Danny Kelly. Welcome back to the show Danny, how are you doing? Fantastic mate, thanks for having me. You brought your guitar along, let's uh, start the show off with a tune. Cool. This land is your land, this land is my land, from the northern highlands to the western islands. From the hills of Kerry to the streets of Freedary, this land is made for you and me. Time and walking by Shannon Water, hand in hand with my little daughter. Hear the church bells ringing, hear the children singing. This land is made for you and me. This land is your land, this land is my land. From the northern highlands, oh. So free dairy, this land was made for you and me. 
mountain by the crystal fountain and we heard the waves roar by the rocky seashore her eyes were gleaming she cried oh daddy oh this land was made for you and me this land is your land this land is my land from the northern highlands oh to the western islands from the hills of Kerry to the streets of Free Dairy this land was made for you and me I walked her home by the old church steeple Proud of my country, proud of my people Of the men who cried there and the men who died there singing This land was made for you and me This land is your land, this land is my land From the northern highlands, all oh, the western islands From the hills of Perry to the streets of Free Dairy this land was made for you and me well, I'm singing this land was made for you and me Thank you Some start to the show Brilliant Danny And if you want to get some uh, merchandise Danny Kelly merchandise Please visit the website At the address along your ticker tape uh, there is a 10% discount for fans of a Celtic State of Mind. The promo code is AXOM. So thank you very much for that, Danny. So how have you been since the last time you've been on the show? Uh, very well, very well, yes. Uh, I can't say I'm enjoying the football at the minute, but uh, I enjoyed the last game very much. We're into the final, so I'm happy with that. Uh, Europe, not too well against AC. Loved the game against Lille. The first half was absolutely spectacular. Um I mean, yeah, life's good, getting on with it. Good, I'm glad to hear that, Danny, because I know that, you know, the the world of live entertainment has been hammered mm-hmm. more than probably any other sector. And it's a shame where you see people who whose life depend on performing live, getting told to go away and retrain, yep. go and find a job somewhere else. I mean, that's horrific to be told that. I mean, there seems to be no support package uh, for the industry you're involved in. No, um, we were told that there would be. We were told there was going to be a bursary fund basically getting doled out to all musicians. And I know some musicians did get some sort of fund uh, based off their kind of tax records and stuff like that. But, I mean, in the life of a musician, you know, one month you might have five gigs, the next month you might have one. Um, So there's no way to base that. And the government have screwed over so many performers, not just musicians. There's people who run cabaret shows there's artists there's you know all types of performers and they've just everyone's been left in the dark completely um and i mean i've taken a (laughs) aggressive approach on twitter towards members of the government Mm. to ask where this money has gone because it doesn't seem like it's going to appear anywhere it just seems like they said okay here's money um we'll just put it in this pot but nobody touched that pot don't look at that pot don't even think about the pot. We're just going to say this this week and then we're just going to leave you in the dark. So, I mean, performing live on Facebook is essentially all we have. Facebook and YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and stuff like that. Um, the last time I was on, actually, Lawrence, you told me about a streaming, streamable yeah. to use. Uh, so I did some delving into that and I found an app which works perfectly on my iPhone which allows me to stream on different platforms. But... It's uh, it's still it's it's tough going, you know. 
tough going, Danny. And you know, you're always welcome to come on here and play a few tunes and try and promote anything new that you're you're releasing in terms of music. And obviously, for Danny Kelly merch, get onto that site. The the web address is at the bottom of your page, and support uh, entertainers, support music, Danny. You know that's what we're trying to do here now, Lawrence. You're sitting in the background there. You're very quiet. It's not like you. Aye, and usually just, just enjoying the tunes. I like oh, politics oh. and you said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love uh, Danny's tunes, uh, but I, I think the hosp- hospitality in general—it's almost as if they've been punished. Mm. Uh, and there's, if you look at the measures that you know the pubs have put in places to keep the staff and patrons safe. But yet again, if you, you know, they're locked down, it feels as if the Scottish government uh, is punishing them. And I suppose this week it looks like the, the Scottish government you know, will punish some and not others. Which remains to be seen, but it certainly appears to be the way. Well, let's talk about that once, because we had a wee chat before we came on live, um, all around the, the punishment or otherwise of breaches of COVID rules. And let's talk about what we call the small bubble of Scottish football and some of the examples that we've had so far, the, the much publicised um, situation involving Ball and Golly when it comes to Celtic and obviously what happened to the club and to the individual. Um, and then yesterday there was breaking news when we were live on a Celtic state of mind that there had been breaches involving two players um, from Ibrox. So what's your thoughts on the way that this is being managed? Well, it seemed to be stage managed the way the news broke, didn't it? You know... Rangers released a statement, police released a statement, Scottish government released a statement, nothing, more or less, nothing to see here. I think it's Rangers, is, is it their fourth breach? You know, you'd be on Gerrard's sharing a car, you'd um, decide to play the the friendly before the results were back from coronavirus tests, the UEFA had to find them over their breaches at the gala game, and now this is their fourth breach. Uh, and it, it, it would appear that there's nothing to see here. The Scottish Football Joint Response Group, Celtic's breach was born Goy. Uh, and I think Aberdeen get dragged into that punishment, uh, you know, because their breach had been prior to Bor- Bongolia, it broken, uh, and there was a rush to punish Celtic, an indecent rush. What do you think, though, when something like that happens, Lawrence? You're you are waiting for a bit of action, a bit of proactive action on the part of the club. Surely, I mean, it doesn't have to be something that you're coming out publicly to slay any decisions, but you would hope that in the background uh, discussions are being had in relation to that, the disparity, if indeed nothing um, is done to the club or the players. All, all we're looking for is fairness, isn't it? You know, you had Nicola Sturgeon on talking about the fairness of the furlough scheme automatically kicking in in England and Scotland and all of the, their things. You know, fairness transcends all things, doesn't it? You know, we've got it, everyone's born with an innate sense of what's fair and what's unfair. We're only looking to be treated fairly. And right now, it would appear it's, you know, not only to the, the football Authorities appear to govern Rangers to a different standard. You know, in relation to five-way ag- agreement, you know, Rangers challenged at court. We know the SFA, you know, are bound, not or don't seem to have the power to, under that agreement, to punish Rangers. Uh, and now the Scottish government seems to be thinking, well, yeah, punish Celtic, but Rangers, you know, commendable. Was it commendable they used describing? Yeah, they, were, they, were, they commended them instead of saying while they done the right thing, they should still be getting facing investigation and punishment for it. Which there was no doubt in my mind the minute it came out about Bowling Golly that the SFA, the SNP, and everybody else would be looking into it. 
straight away. But now the government have come out and said they come in Rangers. Yeah, big difference. It's isn't night, it? night and day. It is, it certainly is. And we thought we would get off to a, a cracking start with Danny playing some tunes, which was tremendous. And we've spoken a wee bit about politics as well. Yesterday we had Kevin Graham in the studio and um, we are currently trying to upload a video that uh, Kevin uh, recorded yesterday uh, as a tribute to Charlie Gallagher, who turns 80 today. So we will see if that uh, upload is successful during the broadcast. If it isn't, we will put it out as a separate video on YouTube directly after the broadcast. Uh, but it is one to savour. It's a, it's a classic from Kevin Graham, from the pen of Kevin Graham. Um, and it's a tribute to Charlie Gallagher. How important when you think back, Lawrence, when you think back to um, his part uh, in Jockstein's revolution, how important was, was Charlie? He was a player that stained Tunty for magic as well as Johnson, wasn't it? A bit of magic. His corner kicks are, are legendary on Billy's head. So, yeah, it, it wouldn't have happened without him, would it? You know, it was the amount of goals he set up from the set pieces, brilliant, brilliant feet. You know, he's an integral part. And I, I think a lot of the, the players suffer from people only focusing on the players that played in the game, you know, mm-hmm. you know that played in the final. Mm-hmm. But, you, know, you can't forget Big John Fallon, mm-hmm. uh, the substitute goalie. He's got the winner's medal. You see him in that famous picture, Lawrence, at full <laughs> time. You know where, where everybody just leaps from the uh, from the bench. Uh, victory. The, well, of course, the one person missing is Jockstein because he went for a walk uh, just before the <laughs> final whistle. Um, but you see Sean Fallon nearly mocking. I think uh, the docks there, uh, Benny Rooney, and uh, sorry Bob Rooney, and uh, also. John Fallon, famous image, beautiful image. Uh, but you're right, you know, John Hughes has got to be remembered, yep. Joe McBride, Charlie Gallagher. Uh, you've got to remember these people, and uh, Willie O'Neill as well, yep. um, who, um, you know, they contributed to that phenomenal achievement. Now, the video of Kevin Graham uh, reciting his new poem on Charlie will be uploaded to YouTube uh, because it's taken a wee while longer than expected when we're running the broadcast with two cameras. So, uh, something to look forward to. But yeah, we can't forget people like Charlie. Happy 80th birthday. And what a lovely fella as well, Danny, when you see him, you know, uh, representing Celtic, you know, right up to the present day. Absolutely. He's... It's, it is, as you said, it's one of those names that he wasn't in the final... And a lot of people seem to forget, you know, they think of the 11 men. And, you know, I've, I've met John Fallon several times. What a lovely, lovely guy. I've actually never had the pleasure of meeting Charlie. Um, but just let me touch on the fact John Fallon was there in Lisbon. And every time you think of that team, the Lisbon Lions, you know, people don't initially, John Fallon doesn't roll off the tongue. And I think that's a crime. You know, um, funnily enough, there is actually a Danbury Mint have done a a collection mm. of the carrot. I don't know if it's like twenty two carat gold or whatever it is badges, but I actually got Charlie Gallagher recently. Um, so he's right in my collection. He's one of the first you get. Billy McNeil is your first, obviously. Caesar is your first, but then Charlie comes into it, mm. and it comes along with a, a. I think it's a game. Was it the Ludogrets? Was that? Did we play Little Grits? And they run to the final. Yeah. Uh, Voyevadina was the Voyevadina, game. Yeah, Voyevadina. Voyevadina. And Charlie scored in that game, did he not? He, he took the, the decisive corner. corner. Um, he took the decisive corner, yeah, that's right. Yep. 
and, that, and they reckon that was the toughest game all season, Danny. Uh, when you when you talk to the surviving Lions, that was the game that they actually thought, you know, it was touch and go. Uh, it was on a knife edge. Charlie Gallagher crosses it in for Big Billy. Uh, and the same thing happened a couple of years previously against Dunfermline, of course, and that is the basis of the kick that started a revolution, which is the name of the poem that Kevin Graham has written um, just for Charlie. So um, all the best. I hope him and his family have a fantastic day uh, to celebrate Charlie Gallagher's 80th birthday. We're talking about European football. Let's have a look ahead to, to Thursday then. We've had a, a couple of weeks of it, Danny. I mean, uh team has come in under some, uh, some amount of criticism. We then go out against Lille. We see a return to form, I think, of many of the players, but as, as a team, as a unit. Yeah. And we get a, what I think will be a result that improves with age. I think we're going to look back on that Lille result as the season goes on, when you see them developing as a side, the French side, and we'll look back and say, what a result that was away from home. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The deciding factor for me, and I said this in the car on the way over, the deciding person on that team for me is Bain. Mm-hmm. The way that he holds his back line. And the way that he is not afraid to scream at them. He Barkas came into that team. Don't get me wrong. Barkas still has time to prove himself. But for me, Bain is our number one. Because he's been there when we needed him. When the chips were down. And he had to go in and debut against that mob. And we won it 3-2. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, to concede two goals in your debut game. It's nothing noteworthy. But... The man has a treble under his belt. So when he is in that net, he's commanding respect the second his name goes on that team sheet. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of people turn around and look at Barkas and go, well, you know, you haven't been here. You haven't been through the crap the rest of us have been through. Whereas Bain has, and he's, he's you know, he plays for that jersey. And I think that he commanded the back line in the first half against Lille phenomenally. Mm-hmm. The second half, legs were getting tired. People were burning out. I thought Incham should have been off after 55 minutes because he was dead in the water. And one of his passes... As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Went astray and led, I think, if I'm calling correctly, led to the first goal, which then seemed to start weighing down on the team. And it's it's the thing of if you're two 0 up, that's fantastic. They weren't pushing for three enough, and Lille just managed to find a way back into it. Fair enough, we still drew, and you know if we get two good results against Sparta Prague and mm. then get a win against Lille at home, happy days. We'll be through the next round. But I'm just putting my hands up now and saying I actually don't give a crap about the European football. I was going to ask. I just, ask. I just want us to go for another treble. I, I was going <laughs> to ask you, Danny, because that, that's the big uh, conversational point. I had a, a similar discussion last week with Jim Orr, and Jim is of the same opinion as yourself. You know, he he, he wants to focus on the domestic. He wants to focus on the ten in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know, we're, we're progressing. I'll talk to you about us progressing against Aberdeen to the final. That you know, it's quite incredible when you think about it. Four trebles in a row. It's an astonishing feat to be one game away from 
such an accolade. We're talking about Charlie Gallagher, John Fallon, the Lisbon Lions. And that is the pinnacle, obviously. You know, the Lisbon Lions, it, it will always be the pinnacle. But what we've, we are doing and what we are currently witnessing is something that is up there with the greatest achievements that this club um, has ever ever witnessed, you know, four trebles in a row potentially, uh, the only team that stands be- between Celtic and that uh, incredible success is, is Hearts now, going into the, the game I, I, again, we wanted to build on the performance against Lille, and I think we did that against Aberdeen, now I take your point what you said there about Encham, I think I thought the same about Christie, who done a power of work against Lille, he looked a bit heavy legged when he, you know, he failed to get the, back, the boy at the back post, you know, yeah. uh, for Leo's goal. No, I'm not criticising uh, Christie because I think he's been one of our best players all season. But I just think it came down to fatigue. And Lenny himself mentioned that, you know, after the game. We're going against Aberdeen. Lawrence, yeah, we've praised being, you know, an, a, a clean sheet against Aberdeen. Uh, the defence seems to be settled, even though, you know, Duffy's playing with someone different out of the pier uh, pretty regularly. But I think we've been there. There's a bit of a common influence. You then bring Beaton. Beaton's the coolest player in the squad. You know, sometimes too too cool. Um, but I think what we're seeing there is we're seeing a, a team. It's been forced upon us in, in many of the areas, but we're seeing a team developing there. Where I asked you before the game, Lawrence, before the broadcast, rather, what's your team for Thursday night? I, I wouldn't change anything. Even wouldn't if change anything. No, I, I think I, I'm a bit with, with Danny. I don't really care about Europe. I still want performances out of the team. This cup run and winning trophies on the spin, uh, you know, outside of 10 in a row, uh, you know, it's winning trophy after trophy after mm. trophy and mm-hmm. domestically, it's it's unbelievable, you know, and, and that's something I want to keep going even more than the 10 in a row because I think, you know, if we were to do the fourth treble, I think that's going to stand up against the 10 in a row. I mean, UVA is going to do 10, there's a number of teams that have done 10 in a row, four, you know, 12 domestic trophies in a row, mm. you know, on the spin, four, four trebles, it's... It's unbelievable, isn't it? You know, with Bain, I think Bain's got the number one shot just now. Well, you know, it's going to be hard for Barkas to get, to get back in unless Bain has a howler. I don't think Barkas done anything particularly wrong. He's never, he's not had any really big saves where we go, wow. You know, like Gordon against uh, for Hearts against Hibs, that save he pulled off. Barkas could probably do with a few of them under his, his belt, but. I see more being as a as a backup keeper, but it could be proved wrong. You know, if we, if we get to January, he's still number one. Depending on how the team is doing, you know, I, I think I wouldn't be alone in the support wondering, you know, is it time to give a shout for for Big Fraser? I've seen that a couple of times this week, uh, Lawrence. And the, the the thing with Barkas is he's not been dropped. You know, he, he dropped out due to injury, and then it's only fair you would guess that if the goalkeeper that comes in performs well. It's his jersey to lose. So, you know, you stick with Bain until such times as he has a loss of form uh, before you look at Barkas. And, you know, I've spoken to some Celtic fans who say, well, four and a half million pounds for a goalie he's got to play. Well, I think it comes down to form. It comes down to form. And you're looking at um, Shane Duffy, who's someone else I want to focus on, Danny. He's coming for a lot of criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the guy we all wanted, I think. Yeah, you know, universally, when he signed, everybody was happy that he'd signed. Uh, Shane Duffy's here for the 10. All that kind of stuff, great. He struggled a wee bit, but I think we've seen signs in the last couple of games that he's overcoming that. Slightly. Very, very slightly. I think there's been a couple of times that him and Callum McGregor look like they're crashing into each other. And don't get me wrong, Callum Mack isn't 
free of criticism ever. Um, he has his good games and his bad games, but I just don't think Duffy is performing. I don't know if it's something mental, um, physical. Obviously, there was the game last week where he ended up going down on his shoulder and he held his arm for about, what was it, 10 minutes or so in the game he held it. And I mean, obviously you'd think if he's holding it for that length of time, maybe you're probably going to be going off, but he didn't. Um, I think he can come good. But as I've said several times, a lot of Celtic supporters are spoiled. We've had so many victories. Don't get me wrong, it's amazing to win 12 trophies on the bounce, 10 in a row, unbelievable. But all the people I talk to, and especially folk older than me who say you've got to remember the 90s, when Celtic barely won a game, it was loss after loss after loss, and you still went out and celebrated as if you won, because you were just used to it at that point. But now we're so used to winning that if somebody performs bad, it's unacceptable. But, I mean... Just as you were saying about Barkas as well, four point five million he has to play. No, he doesn't. I could I could turn around tomorrow and say I'll sell you Paul John Dykes and Lawrence Connolly for ten million apiece for your radio show. That's the value that a team places on someone because of the loss. The value of someone doesn't dictate that they have to play. I mean, Kieran Tierney, how long was it before he ended up getting his first game for Arsenal? Yeah, I think he was come back for injury as well, though, but wasn't he? Tierney, Tierney well, well, but even when he got bled in, it was a lower game, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was one of the cups. Yeah. But that's the thing. I mean, people are saying, don't get me wrong, at the end of the day, I think Duffy will come good. Mm. He's only here for one season, um, and I think that will be it. I think he'll go back to Brighton at the end of it. Um, I can see next year being a clear out anyway. I, I was watching with interest uh, fairly recently Belgium playing England and uh, ov- obviously Belgium being the number one team in the world and their centre-half partnership was Jason Denier and Dedrick Boyata and you're looking at that thinking to yourself alright so we could have had the best central defensive partnership in the world or uh, a partnership that is playing for the best team in the world and I think you know it's a it's a area of the pitch that over the years, we have struggled from time to time to find that blend, to find that partnership. And it's a, a discussion we've had quite a few times on this podcast where, you know, as much as they were unfancied at times, Gordon Strachan found a partnership in Stephen McManus and Gary Caldwell. Now, you know, we went out and beat teams like AC Milan and and, uh, and so forth, and we won doubles, etc. And we got to the last 16 in the Champions League with that partnership. I think there was a period after that, Mowbray came in, tore that partnership up, took us a while to find a partnership and then we got one with, with I think Virgil van Dijk and Denier who I thought I rated them very very highly as a partnership Lawrence a lot of people used to say to me van Dijk makes Denier look good but I think when you look at the way Denier's progressed in the game he's a, he's a player in his own right and now we find ourselves again looking at the situation where we're trying to find a defensive partnership do we have one long term in Julian and Ayer or will we even get the chance to see that with you know some of the European uh, teams that are looking at the likes of Ayer? I mean, do we have... Who is your best two? Who's your best partnership at centre-half? It's a struggle just now to, to say who's going to be best. You, you, you'd have thought, you know, it's, there's a shout for Julian and Ayer, but mm. yeah, first, you know, we get a clean sheet there with Derby and beat on. I think it's uh, it's going to be t- one of those, it's, it's, it's test it out, see how the team performs. I don't... You know, if I was fit, I wouldn't let him walk back into the team. You know, we want 
you want to settle back line, don't you? We need to start putting together a, a run of, you know, we've had some performances that are on the up. Now we need to start putting together a run of victories. I wouldn't be cha- changing it. I ask, you know, he's a class player. I, th- I think along with Duffy, he'll only, only be here for, you know, till the end of this season. Uh, I think beating will stick with us. What next year is going to look like in football? Who knows, with, with COVID and where income is going to come from. Mm. So, it's who, who you're going to be able to afford. Young Welsh look good when he's come through. So, you, you know, there, there's hope there for the future. But, I, you know, we get, we, we don't have the options of getting what would be a best on, do we? I think just now it's in a half, it's like, it's been, who's fit? At the moment, it's been like that, isn't it? I mean, if Ayer comes back in, I would be tempted, I must admit, because I think his, his performances against um, Lille, uh, I think the, the reason he went off after 53 minutes was a deciding factor in what thereafter happened. And I agree with Danny. We probably should, in fact, we should have made substitutions earlier. You know, you had players like um, and Cham, Christie and Brown, I think, went off after 81 minutes. That was 20 minutes too late for me. We should have made these substitutions earlier. But the, the deciding factor for me was Ayer's uh, departure. Uh, I think he's been, he's been our best defender over the piece this season. Um, does he go right back in or are you going to try and look for that continuity in the defence it's a decision to be made I think sometimes I try and uh, think to myself it's not about what I would do what do you think Neil Lennon's going to do well I think he'll bring Ayer back in if he's fit to partner Duffy I think that's his first two that's his first two picks I think Um, so that'll be an interesting one other than that is there any other changes Danny that you would make for the team on Thursday night I don't think so. I think the team. Well, I would start a Jerry over Edward. Um, I know that people probably think that's an insane thing, and I can't wait to see the slaggings I get in the comments for that. But Edward is the talisman of the team. He's the big name. He's the big draw. Every defender wants to mark him. And when I say every, that means the entire back line mm. marks him. Whereas Ajeti is seen as being good. He's a good finisher, but defenders aren't as quick to swarm on him. And I think at the early stage of the game, it's best to have him on. Because he'll be able to break down defences a bit faster. Mm-hmm. El Yunusi will be able to use... Ajeti the way they did against Lille which was absolutely phenomenal the passing there was just second to none um, and then when Edward manages to come on if it is 45 minutes or 50 or 60 minutes then I'd say even bring him and Griffiths on and that defence will be knackered and they won't be ready for that partnership I mean one thing I love about Griffiths is that he will chase down yeah. any keeper mm-hmm. and he will pressure them into making a mistake and that's where a lot of last season's goals came from, was the pressure being put on the goalkeepers, which hasn't happened as much this season because we're holding back a bit. We're stopping before the final third, which I think just go for it, hell for leather. See, earlier on this season, Danny, we had a conversation on here about people who had almost become the forgotten men at Celtic within the first-team squad. And a couple of the names were uh, Tommy Rogic and, and the aforementioned uh, Lee Griffiths because Lee had disappeared from view after coming back, apparently from pre-season, training a wee bit overweight or unfit. And then he disappeared, he wasn't even on the bench for several weeks. Tommy Rogic, we almost sold him. 
you know, it looked as though that deal was going to go through four million pounds. He was going to uh, move to Qatar. Apparently, uh, it broke down, and thankfully it did. Now they both come back in. Uh, they perform against St. Johnson particularly well. Griffiths gets his goal, and now Rogic is looking almost undroppable. I mean, the last two games, four assists. Um, I mean, are we seeing a a Tommy Rogic of old? You um, re-emerging in this Celtic side. I think he knows there's going to be a clear out next season, but he's not going to be. I don't think he'll be part of it. I think Edward will go. Ayer will go. But I think that'll hopefully make way for us buying Laxalt. Because mm. I would love to keep him. I absolutely love to keep him. Um, but I think Rogic could easily finish his career at Celtic with being one of you know the greatest and remembered forever mm-hmm. because he does have that ability to come into a team. I mean, he was the one who scored the goal against Aberdeen. Like, no other person in their right mind would have thought about shooting from that angle, but he just thought, the hell with it, I'm just going to take a pop. And it worked, which was great. Four assists in the last two games. That's that's a player who is going out to prove a point that he doesn't want to be dropped. Mm-hmm. Which, if he keeps form, I mean, that's what, it, you know, like, you've got him, you've got Ajeti, El Yunusi, Bain, Laxalt, all these players who, last season, if you had a thought about trying to fit them into the squad, there would have been no place for them. But now, it's coming to the coming to the front. And actually, I will say one thing, one change I would make, I wouldn't play Brown on Thursday. I'd play Turnbull. Well, Turnbull, uh, again, his uh, game time has been kind of minimal over the last few games, isn't it? I mean, Lawrence, a player you and I have spoken about that Danny mentioned there, El Yunusi, we were trying to figure out what his best position was. And then in the last couple of games, again, he's one of the guys that stood out. I mean, is he being uh, rejuvenated by Laxalt behind him? Because his performances have been tremendous behind El Yunusi. And I think it's maybe fed off of those performances. Yeah, it's partnerships looking after that side of, side of the park. We've got Christian Frimpong working well on the right. It looks like Diego and Elanusi are going to work well. Obviously, Elanusi knows a Yeti from, from their time at Bal together. So there's going to be an understanding that's that's already there. But I think it's getting the, the indiv- individuals are starting to perform as a team. Mm-hmm. All over the park now for us, isn't it? And it's whether they've got a point to prove. Like Tom coming back in, you know, he's almost out the door. You know whether the you know Scotland wants to make that jersey is number one. Lenny says there's been a change in his attitude even before the you know the performance. Yeah, uh, you've got one young Welsh who's come in, not let sell down. Maybe the players have just said, look, you know, we're coming in for a lot of flack here that we think is unfair and undeserved, and the managers coming in for a lot of flack that they think is unfair and undeserved. Maybe the, the siege mentality is there, and it's Lenny's getting them you know into a band, the brothers again, and hopefully you know we can see performances that. Don't like the fight that some, or have certainly looked as if the performances have lacked fight at, at certain points during the season so far. Hopefully, Lenny's got that commitment out of them when they're on the part that they're going to give everything. One one thing, sorry, I have to interrupt. Or disagree with is Christy and Frimpong. During the Lille game, they didn't seem to know what the other one wanted to do. I just there was a lot of mis misplayed passes where we were giving the ball away and then it would be out for a throw-in to Lille. And it just seemed like it, it dragged the game down a bit. 
I think Christy and, and Frimpong is developing partnership. They'll pl- play the riskier passes. Certainly, Christy will, will play the riskier passes, which maybe not every player in the team is going to going to want to play. And you know, under Brendan, it was all about retain the ball, don't play the play the risky pass, move it about. I think Lenny wants to move them away from that to play the riskier passes. Party playing the riskier passes, it, it, you know, they don't work as often. Frimpong's learning his position. I think you know. I don't see him as a right back, back. you know. Or yeah, I, I, I don't see from Paul as a right back. But the, the last couple of games, he's looked good. Yeah, it's for me, he's not right back. But I think he's good at right back. I, I would uh, right wing back maybe, but right back I think. Or so so far this season, he's been caught high up the pitch. He's too far away from his centre halves. But then again, we say we need to give young players a chance because player development. How do we develop them? Unless they make mistakes in games, that's where their experience comes from. It's, and I guess if we're going to develop a young player from Pong, we need to understand it's going to have deficiencies that he's working on, and hopefully we see them improving over the season. And I think the last few games he's he's definitely improved. I think. You know when you you mentioned their tumble for Brown, Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Celtic fans are are have been calling for Tumble to come in, particularly when we weren't playing so well. Uh, maybe just for a, a change of approach. Do you think it's important more than anything to, to give Brown a bit of a breather from time to time, bring in Turnbull, or is it about a different approach? Because I think Turnbull will give us more uh, of an offensive threat. I think it is. It's the fact that... It's hard to say. Like, Don't get me wrong. Brown has no problem taking on a player when he has the ball at his feet. He also has no problem tackling. But I think Turnbull's going to be younger, fitter, faster. And I think... That's what Elianusi and players like that and Frimpong are needing is someone who can run towards a defence, make that split-second decision to boot the ball with the outside of the boot, fire it over to the right wing and wait for that cross to come in, but also be chasing that return cross. Brown is obviously a very good holding midfielder to drop back and make sure that he's there for the defensive actions as well, whereas I think Turnbull would have that speed to be in the box. If the ball breaks, he can get back. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong I love Brown Brown's I mean he's going to be a legend when he does eventually go um, but yeah I think it'd be better to give him a rest and I think especially in the European games which are a lot more demanding because I think in the in the league midfielders have a fear of Brown mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whereas in Europe they don't as much because they're coming up against these teams that you know, just have pretty much psychotic players throughout their entire squad and who'll tackle anybody and be happy to get red carded for it. But I think Turnbull would do very, very well in Europe if he was in. I'll be interested to see a wee bit more on Danny, for sure. Um, Francie Dobelu, who is commenting on YouTube, and welcome back to the show, Francie. Um, you say that the only change you'd make is Elhamid for young Frimpong. Uh, give the wee fella a breather and again that's important he's playing a lot of games as Frimpong we take it sometimes for granted I mean he's in my team every single week when I predict the side maybe it is about time we gave him a, a, a bit of a breather or Lawrence do you think you know when you're looking at the balance of that side with the emergence of uh, lax salt since he's come in that Frimpong requires more and more games I mean I, I like Elhamid I think he's a far more solid defensive player but he is, he's, he's okay going forward. I do like Elhamid, and um, it may be an idea to give Frimpong a rest. I, I would still start Frimpong, but I think 
you know, we've got three games a week for a bit, bit of time now. Mm. Uh, we've got players coming back to fitness. It's going to be about, about using the squad. Start with Brown, but I would be looking to bring on Turnbull or Sorrell in that midfield to give them game time. For Impong, I mean, I've already said I don't. As long as we get performances in Europe, I don't really care. You know, it's the the trophies on the spin run that, that that's brilliant. You know, the treble run is more important to me. The treble the run. I mean, even the fact that we're discussing a treble run, Lawrence, it's incredible. Yeah. Thirty-five games, and and none of the games went to replay. So thirty-five. One-off game, Celtic have won. That's almost a, an entire league campaign of wins. Yep. It's an astonishing record. And I mean, to be honest with you, I'd have much rather have played Hearts and Hibs, and it's no disrespect to Hearts, because I, I do rate Hibs. I've said that many, many times on this podcast. I, I, I like the management team at Hibs. They've bought well, and, and I think they're a they're strong side and they're going to get better. But I'm glad that we're playing Hibs, not because I think it'll be a pushover. Far from it. These games never will be. But we are 90 minutes away from a quadruple treble. That's we're astonishing. We're going to have to face Big Craig, aren't we? Uh, who's going to get, I think we touched on the weekend, he's going to get both a winner's and a loser's medal. So I think it's Craig Gordon that stands between us and that fourth treble in a row. There was an interesting point last night uh, on another podcast whereby it was uh, it was noted that Andy Halliday has already been knocked out of this competition whilst playing for Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's in the final for so, Hearts. So uh, another record player. So <laughs> you know, wasn't too good. It's incredible. Yeah, funny if if Morelos goes to Hearts, he would score against Celtic. Aye, probably <laughs> first touch of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> now IH decorating also kept commenting on YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube, remember to subscribe, and you can get notifications of our daily broadcasts, all the match day stuff, and some extras. Uh, with interviews etc you even get a sing song from time to time from the likes of Danny Kelly if you want to order some Danny Kelly merch uh, then the web address is currently along the bottom of your screen use the promo code Axon for 10% off and support uh, live music and live musicians like Danny um, IH Decorating uh, is looking for Barkas Elhamid Beaton Duffy and Laxalt McGregor Brown Christy Rogic El Yunusi and Eddie so a couple of changes from the team that I would play, but I can understand the changes. Let's talk a wee bit more about Diego. Now, I take it from what you've said so far, Danny, that you've been very impressed with our new recruit. Yes. Uh, first game against Rangers, I think that was such a hard game to be thrown into, um, especially with, you know, don't get me wrong, I hate them, but they've got a good team. They really do have a good team. Um, if you take away penalties they're not that good but they've got a good team uh, and going into that squad don't get me wrong playing the playing the training sessions is one thing but going out and doing it I think if only we had had him in for a few games before that it would have been amazing mm. I think he would have absolutely romped home in that game I'd say the next time we come up against them it's going to be a totally different ball game um, but against AC Milan and against Lille, he was absolutely fantastic. And against Aberdeen, played out of his skin um, to create to create a record in your third. Was it third or fourth professional game? Uh, you thought Celtic? third yeah. game for Celtic, creating a European record of the most tackles in one game. I know. Did you see the Did you see the compilation? I think it was maybe the twenty minute boys that put the compilation together, Danny, and it was it was astonishing to watch at that level. Yeah, uh, like so against Lille, brilliant. Talk about you know. 
penalties. Mm -hmm. So the only penalty Rangers won't be awarded is one for COVID breaches. Aye. <laughs> you know, it's kind of... What was it somebody, somebody posted earlier that Andrew Dallas has given them five penalties in the space of 180 minutes? That's some, that, that's that's some, some record. record. Some record. That'd be difficult to actually to do that. Um, but some, they found a way. Somehow they managed to get away. Yeah, yeah. They found a way. Now, Mo, 50s EK boy... Maybe from East Kilbride, guys, do you think? Could be, yeah. Possibly. Welcome to the show, Mo. Uh, you're commenting on YouTube. Voivodina. Great night. Dad and me in the jungle. Caesar rising like a salmon. Love that expression. <laughs> Dukla was a breeze. Willie Wallace, first Euro game. Wonderful memories. Well, welcome to the show, and thanks for sharing those memories. I mean, uh, 53 years ago now, 53 years ago, um, where Celtic conquered Europe, and you think about somebody like Charlie Gallagher, who would have been 27 at the time, or there or thereabouts, turning 80 today. So, uh, you know, have a great day with your family, Charlie. Uh, I don't think he watches a Celtic State of Mind, but I have met him a couple of times, and he's just a gentleman. You know, when you meet these people, and they're just they're so humble, aren't they? It's incredible. People like Charlie and Big John. I love Big John as well, uh, Danny, because he gives you a completely different uh, take on the game. Uh, uh, you know, a very insightful take. And what he says to me the other day, was that we need to be uh, we need to be aware that some people have been a bit harsh on the Celtic goalies at the moment, and we need to you know be a, a, a little bit less harsh on the on the keepers. We have lost somebody who was an iconic figure at Celtic, and Fraser Foster. Uh, Barkas has come in. It's going to be difficult for him to bed in to a new team, a new culture, and that mentality that you don't get at many other clubs where every game has to be won. Every game, Lawrence. Every single game, be that in Europe or domestically so Big John's message is lay off the goalies yeah I think he's right and it's, it's not just every game it's every goal or conceded is analysed to death we should never lose a goal it's you know the, the expectation levels are unrealistic to an extent aren't they you know never lose a goal never lose a game you know there was a discussion over Lenny you, you know back end of October he's lost one league game and it was a Celtic were a disaster at times you know when you're reading kind of the stuff out there but you know the players are under a lot of pressure but I suppose that's what happens when you're setting standards that haven't been set before mm -hmm. you know full trebles in a spin possibly it's just you know the cup run it's just you know it's these guys to an extent that have set this expectation and it, the expectations are off the back of how good they've been mm -hmm. and how well the Celtic team been performing lately I, I just think back to when Martin O'Neill won the treble you know, and, and the relevance of that, because it's at that point that the old heads and the Celtic view and all these different uh, vehicles start talking about the last time we did that, you know, under Jock Steen. And you think, wow, you know, we're getting into a European final. Probably the, the one and only time I'll see it. That's what I'm thinking at the time, Lawrence, back in 2003. We win a treble. You think, wow, that's almost like once in a lifetime. And then fast forward to where we are now, four trebles potentially on the bounce. And at the moment, we're actually still in all the domestic tournaments as well, so yeah. we could be even looking at five. Am I just getting greedy? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, but it's, you know, would you ever have thought, and, and the cup one, 35 cup games, I know. off games, anything can happen. You know, dodgy penalty awarded against us, just the team not perform anything, but to keep that run going, and, and, and it's this group of players, by and large, that have set these expectation levels that, that we now have. See, when you're looking at the game um, against Hearts, we'll, we'll think forward a wee bit because, I mean, it's only next month, isn't it? It's uh, going to be 20. a December time, you know. Um, cup final against Hearts at 
you, you think back to to Lenny's cup final where he's come in he's the interim manager and he wraps up the league he wraps up the treble treble he gets the job permanently and I think back to that game there and how difficult that was actually you know and we actually did need big performances for the likes of Edward I don't think we're playing a Hearts team that's going to be as strong as that yeah, I don't and I don't so. just mean because they're in a different division now I mean you, you look at the personnel and yeah they've strengthened with Gordon but I don't think we're going to have that same that same challenge I heard Budge has asked for 50% of the tickets for the final. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> nah, I think, you know, Smith is older. Boyce is good up front. Gordon's good. Uh, the rest of the team, you know, we know what. They've got Andy's a serial loser, isn't he? So, it's... Budge is a serial loser. <laughs> yeah, it's... I, I think you're right. The, the, we sh- it shouldn't be as big a challenge. I think that... that the biggest challenge is going to be overcoming Craig Gordon. Uh, you know, it could be one of those that he has just there. But we know him. We know him well. Yeah. We know his deficiencies. The players know him as well, Lawrence. You know, oh. that could work in our favour. But are we likely to get a penalty? Think. Are we likely to get a penalty? Are you kidding? Well, you're just talking about Gordon's deficiencies. I'm just saying, are we likely to get a penalty? <laughs> All right. right. <laughs> you know? I think that's, that's part of what I actually am looking forward to the most in the final, is the fact that you've got all these players who, in it, Obviously, you're defining whether or not you get the number one jersey by your training performances and your first team performances. So during training, Edward and El Yanusi and these players must have yeah. just been slotting it past Gordon for fun to have him then be a third string behind Bain. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope it was like 4 or 5 nil, and we just romp it home for the crack. Mm. Should, should we make it kind of 8-1? Would be great, wouldn't it? He's a great shortstopper. He's, he's a brilliant yeah. shortstopper, Craig Gordon. Um, he's strong on his left but not so strong on his right in terms of kicking Yep. and I th- all these wee things Celtic will know that inside out Stevie Woods knows that goalkeeper intimately maybe not as intimately as others but he knows him intimately and um, I think that'll be massive because he is the star man I take your point Danny you know people like Boyce he's a guy that could play for most teams in, in the in the uh, Premiership like it was mentioned last night on, on another podcast uh, and, and do particularly well with, with various sides um, how many others though? Because as you say, Lawrence, Naismith's a year older. I mean, there's not many of them, the, the players within the heart side, but then on a day, going back to what you said, anything is possible. And with, with a cup game, we've all seen games where it's been Celtic pressure constantly. You just know it's not your day. You're not going to get a win and someone nicks a goal and, and that's it. Um, I'm hoping and praying that's not the case. And I think if we see the Celtic turning up that we've seen against Aberdeen, that we've seen for an hour against Lille and hopefully that we'll see from now until the game because I do think we've turned a corner I really do I think there's been a there's a there's been an energy um, about the side that, that was lacking a wee bit beforehand we've got players coming back from injury we're speaking about Ayer coming back giving us options at the back El Hamid's coming back where's Mikey Johnson he can't be far away he's going to come back and give us another option we've now got four strikers to pick from so I think as that happens and the momentum happens, you know, Rogic, a few weeks ago, we didn't think he'd be in the squad. Now he's a, he's one of the first names on the on the team sheet. And Cham's on the bench, Turnbull's on the bench. If we turn up uh, as we know we can, then it'll be a historic day. Yeah. Do you know but, one of the names that keeps getting left out, and it's always left out ever, is Forrest? I know. Everyone, yep. Everybody's yep. leaving Forrest out of all these conversations. Sorry for it. I just have to say this because... When we're talking about the difference in the team, 
He's the biggest difference. Him Huge. and Julian are two major, major differences to yeah. that team this season from last season. And don't get me wrong, people laugh about the way that Forrest runs, but he's fast. Mm-hmm. And he can get past a player oh. and he can find a pass. He's got the medals to, to prove he's done it. Isn't he? He's been there, done it. He's a Celtic legend. Uh, and another thing, actually, in response to someone saying that they would give Frimpong a rest, if McGregor can play the most games in Europe mm. out of any player, Frimpong, who's probably, what was he, like four or five years younger than him? He should be playing every single game. Well, I th- think it's good now we're getting options. We're getting players back from illness and out of quarantine. It's good that we have options. I think we're going to have to use the squad, whether that's making subs quicker, because we've now got five subs this season. Mm-hmm. Where we can say, well, you know, we'll have more of a, a game plan to change things up and say, well, if we're two or three up at half time, let's get three on. We've still got two subs. No, you're right. Uh, yeah, man, is that definitely Lawrence. There's a good point coming in from Clancy, who is commenting on Twitter. Thanks for your comment. Uh, ultimately, the 10 in a row is a priority and nothing should jeopardise it. The reason I'm bringing that up. I had an interesting discussion yesterday with Kevin Graham all about that, talking about priorities, talking about realistically what do you want to actually achieve this season? Because, I mean, four trebles in a row is is an astonishing achievement, but there will come a time, and we all know that, we're all realistic in that respect. And my answer to that was I want 10 in a row. You know, for so many different reasons, the, the, um, you know, when you're looking at the, the historical relevance of that, Danny, what it means to us as a club. Um, but also, I think it's important from the finan- financial aspect of the club coming out of COVID. We need to have that um, continual success and that that uh, you know gateway back into the Champions League. And we do need it as a club, no matter who you are. It's going to hit us hard. Um, but I also want the quadruple treble. So if we come away this season having beaten Hearts in December in the final and we win the league, and I don't care if it's by a goal, if we win the league this season... I'll be satisfied with that. How about yourself? Absolutely. I don't care about Europe. I don't care about the two other cup competitions. I want 10 in a row. We've we've got six more or seven more. I think we will have seven more Scottish Cups than Rangers. We'll have four more Scottish League Cups. We do have four more Scottish League Cups. I want to close that gap between them having 54 and going for 55 nonsense. Mm. I hope that we get 55 before they do, just so we can rub it in their snouts. Because that would be absolutely hilarious, and that would just that would be the pinnacle of all these banter years that we've been having. Yep. But 10 in a row, it's never been achieved in Scotland. It has to be achieved by someone. Someone has to be the first, and I think it's over 130 years now. We have to do it. We have to just get that cemented... Um, We've already won the biggest trophy in, in club competition. Yep. We've done treble after treble after treble after treble. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> One game to go. One game to go and it's against the first division team or championship team. And I mean, I think all aspects should be right on the league. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's people out there who call me mental and shout the odds at me for not wanting us to win everything, but you can't. I mean, if you had asked anyone 20 years ago, do you think Celtic would ever win a back-to-back treble, or even an invincible treble? I know. They would have called you an absolute psychopath for thinking we could have went a whole season without losing a game and winning the treble treble. I mean, I, I'm ambitious, but that just that doesn't even seem realistic, Danny. You know, <laughs> you think that's never going to happen, yeah. and here we are. 
And awesome. here we are. Now, just we even got the president of bloody Albania support. <laughs> but when you think about it, we beat Hearts in the final. There's four trebles in a row. Just add another one. Because we know how to do it. You know, we know how to do the trebles. So this is a big thing as well, Lawrence, that people look at the Scottish game. And uh, in one of our very, very early podcasts, I mean, I mean, it must have been the first, within the first three episodes of A Celtic State of Mind, I interviewed Alan McRae. Can you remember the interview? The, at the time, the then SFA president, whose comments uh, around Celtic winning trebles were, were challenged because he said that it was boring. Celtic winning trebles was boring for Scottish football. Now, that for me was... It wasn't like a red rag to a bull. It just showed you the, the, the kind of nature of the, the Scottish game in terms of the highest echelons of those in authority, whereby they found it boring to um, award uh, in a, you know, for merit, Lawrence. You know, it was merit. Yeah. You know, well, there, there was nothing put down. It was meritorial. There was nothing put down that allowed Celtic to win those triples. They'd done it on merit, hard work, having the, the discipline and the better players and the better management team and the whole foundation of the club. Now, we're now looking at a situation where we've almost done it four times in a row. It's not going to get born for anybody in this room or indeed who's joined us on this <laughs> broadcast. Um, but we should never for a moment underestimate what goes into winning a domestic treble. It's, it's got to be, you know, it's a world record. It's These guys are history makers on the treble alone. There's a few teams done 10 in a row that, but back-to-back trebles, then another treble. We're now going for another, potentially a fifth one as well. It's, it's just unbelievable stuff. I mean, th- th- this team will, should be, the, tr- the treble run should be more publicised and more shouted about outside the Celtic circles just for the sheer consistency. You know, the sheer will to win they've shown in some games where maybe they haven't turned up, but we've still got through those cup games, we've still won. You know, I don't know, somebody could probably do some kind of statistical calculation, maybe Al Morris and Celtic by numbers, just on odds alone. You know, 35. What would the odds have been? I know. What would the the odds have been? It's astonishing, Lawrence. Now, I've been getting quite a few messages coming through, so thank you for everybody for um, identifying someone who probably shouldn't have been in the broadcast, Danny. We do get that from time to time. Uh, but they're normally weeded out very quickly by those who are listening and they give us a wee heads up. So just to let you all know, they're now blocked. Now, Kevin Graham, who was in yesterday, um, mentions that the international break is coming up and Brown gets a rest during that. Uh, but I think what you're looking at really, Danny, is uh, an opportunity where if you can, you can rest Brown for a game, like the game on Thursday night, then it's an opportunity to do that without him being dropped. It's not as though you're dropping him, is it? You're just resting him for, for a game here or there. I was surprised when he didn't make the starting lineup at Pataudry, for example. I, I don't think that was the right game to rest him or drop him. No, definitely not. Um, those are two words that give me the absolute willies, man. International break. We could Half, do without it. 90% of our team goes off to the international break and catches COVID. And then, obviously, Gerard's been smart. And he's bought good players, but players who don't, majority, don't represent their national squads. Apart from Stephen Davis, who's crap anyway. But it's, um, that, that's my panic, is during this international break, you've got them coming back in. We lost Beaton, El Hamid, who else was it called? Christy. Um, lost Eddie. Eddie. 
So we lost four we players. We had to chart mm. our plane for Barkas. Aye. That's right. So five yep. players potentially causing disruptions in amongst the squad. My worry is that more players go out and then when they come back, people like Brown, who haven't been in the national squad or exposed to it, have to pick up more games. Good point. Yeah, you'll get a rest during the international break, but yep. you'll probably get a phone call telling you, by the way, you're going to have to work twice as hard after this break because now we've lost six, seven players. Exactly. There's like, uh, in my opinion, international competition should just be completely stopped. Well, the, the thing is, if we picked up a good run of wins up to the international break, you'd be going, it's coming at the wrong time for us. We don't want to, you know, if we're getting a bit of continuity in the team, they've got momentum. The last thing you want is an international break. You know, if I was a player, right, um, and that this is the only option that would be available to anyone. Uh, for the, the goodness of yourself, you know, we're talking about uh, looking after the, the players. If someone gets a, uh, the illness which has been proved at Celtic, it's so, so possible for a fit athlete um, in their 20s to get this illness and for it to hit them hard because Beaton and Alhamid have spoken about that. And what we need to look up upon is a, a duty of care. So where does a duty of care lie? Well, does it lie with the club? Because the club can't, pull players from international duty. That that was made pretty clear when we started seeing the call-offs, um, sorry, the, the amount of cases regarding uh, COVID. So does the duty of care lie with the SFA? You know, and th- this is a big question. What if something happened with one of the players where they were affected, their health was affected in the long term because they were more or less selected, which meant the club was forced to send them to go and play in an international game. The only option for a player at this moment in time to avoid this is to retire from international football. You know, because as you say, Danny, I agree with you. There should be absolutely no international football being played at this moment in time. And arguably no European competition should be getting played either. Um, And I just think that we're, we're going to be holding our breath. Like you say, you hear those two words, international break, and you think, oh no, you know, what players... Normally, you're thinking what players are going to get injured. This is a much bigger worry. Which players are going to contract the virus and come back? And then how long are they going to be out for? But how is it going to affect that individual in the in the long term? Not just in the short term where they might miss a couple of games. So if I was a player, I would be looking after my own interests in that respect. And I'd be very selfish. I'd just retire. Now, if they wanted to bring you back six months down the line or whatever, or whenever this is not going to be as big an issue as it is just now, then fine, if they didn't, then that, that speaks volumes anyway. But that's what I would be doing. I'd be retiring from the game. I wouldn't be travelling an international duty um, at this moment in time. It's not just the SFA. I mean, the other associations, we supplied the plane for Barkas. So how, how are the, the players getting there? They're not, you know, they're using commercial flights. Yeah. If they really want to protect them in duty of care, could they not put on a flight for them if they're that important to, to go to? You know, charter a plane for them. But mm-hmm. yeah, retiring's... Definitely one option, isn't it? They, it, it? And I don't think you would. there would be a backlash, Lawrence. I don't think fans would, would say, oh, you should never play for your country again. We've seen that in the past where somebody maybe doesn't like the manager um, or someone goes here, there and everywhere and they're sitting on a bench so they think, well, I'm not doing that. That's different. I think if you took a stand, uh, you know, you would actually be more respected for, for taking that stand. It's easy to retire and then come back and Paul Scholes did it at Man United. Mm-hmm. Went away for Scott's six months. done it. Brownie's done it, Scott Brown done it. That's right. He did it international level, but I mean, Scholes did it club level. Yep. Fergie wanted him back, he came back. Just like that. But I mean, that's the thing. If you were to turn around to anybody and say, listen, I don't feel comfortable doing this right now because of all the things going on in the world. If the national teams take umbrage with that, I, still, I think that most of the, that nation's people 
or fans of the team would still turn around and say, do you know what, we're happy enough for him to bow out because we're not getting to travel to games anyway. Mm. To be honest, I don't even know what competition these international games are for. You know, it doesn't involve you Celtic. Even, what is this Nations League? God knows. Like? doesn't involve Celtic. So Manchester's just kind of went, yeah. so if it's Nations League or whatever it is, who cares? It's just friendlies. You know, <laughs> can you win a treble in the Nations League? Listen, my, my priority is always uh, Celtic when it comes to football, Lawrence. Absolutely. And uh, we're talking about four trebles in a row. We're talking about ten in a row. Nobody in the room's taking any of this for granted. I mean, what goes into that achievement is absolutely astonishing. Um, but we're getting to that point of the show, Danny, where I'm going to be asking for predictions for Thursday night. You started off today's show with uh, some superb tunage on your, on your acoustic and just a reminder to everybody who's tuning in you can order Danny Kelly merch today with 10% off um, at dannykellymusic.bigcartel.com using the promo code AXON uh, so thank you for being a guest on the show once again Danny and you're welcome back anytime you want give us a prediction for Thursday night 4-1 4-1 excellent I love that Positivity, and that's the only positive I want. Last is is that I said six 0 it was five 0 So you, you did, you did. Aye, so Ross four, County. Yeah. If I say four one, I'll be three one. Happy days. Aye, I'll, I'll take that, Lawrence. <laughs> I'm going to go three 0 Not having seen Sparta, I think, uh, but they've not played in a while. That they've been, you know, releasing press and that. I think we're performing as a team. I think Lenny will get us into a an early two 0 lead by half time, but this time we'll come out. At, a few changes and add a second. Uh, sorry, a third in the second half. I'm going to go 1-0 myself. Um, and I just think that building on the last two performances, we will get a result. We will get a positive result. But every time I go for a, a, a heavy victory, like a five or a six, we end up getting beat, Danny. So I'm not going to do that. one nothing for me. Um, now, thanks everybody for tuning in. It's been an absolute pleasure. We will get Kevin Graham's Charlie Gallagher tribute poem up very, very soon. Um, if I can manage to do it on a broadcast, I'll come back on. But either way, it will end up on YouTube. All that's left for me to say today is Danny Kelly, Lawrence Connolly. Thank you again for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.